Yo, Orlando, guess who's getting hard as a rock? Jay and Silent Bob at the Hard Rock Live on March 16th. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse will regale you with ribald tales so debaucherous, I can't even mention them here. Actually, I just don't know what the fuck they're going to talk about. But prepare your funny boner for some awesome oral. We'll even supply the tissues. Jay and Silent Bob get old at the Hard Rock Live in Orlando on March 16th. Links for tickets for this and all Smodco shows available now at csmod.com. Yo, Detroit, guess who's coming to save the city on April 13th? Nope, not RoboCop. Jay and Silent Bob, motherfuckers. Smotco's icons are taking the stage at the Redford Theater, and you are cordially invited to plant your ass there. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. No trench coats, no hair extensions, but maybe a reference to Don't Stop Believing. Jay and Silent Bob get old. April 13th at the Redford Theater in Detroit. Tickets on sale now, so go get them, Tiger. Oh, wait, sorry. Lions. Links to tickets for all Smodco shows at csmod.com. Biatch. So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. Yo, Solana Beach, California. Guess who's gonna get old live? Not old as in Christ on a popsicle stick. This is boring. I'm talking about Jay and Silent Bob get old, no fuckers. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse are coming to the Belly Up Tavern on November 22nd. Don't miss the debauchery, Iggy B. Jay and Silent Bob get old, recording their podcast live at the Belly Up Tavern in Solana Beach, California, on November 22nd. Get your tickets for this and all other Smodco shows at csmod.com. Red State DVD and Blu-ray available now at coopersdell.com. Get exclusive bundle packages featuring posters, soundtracks, t-shirts, signed scripts, wardrobe used in the film, and a chance to be a guest on air with Kevin Smith via Skype. Red State DVD and Blu-ray exclusive bundles now at coopersdell.com. Smirch alert, smirch alert, motherfucker, smirch alert. Go to smodcast.com slash smerchandise to get your official Jay and Silent Bob iPhone 4 cases from Casemate. Choose from three different snoogerific designs. We got soft ones and hard ones. Hey, I'm talking about the cases, bitch. All emblazoned with your favorite Smodco icons, Jay and Silent Bob. Snag your iPhone 4 case for $39.99 and protect the precious smodcast.com slash smerchandise yo Canada Jay and Silent Bob are gonna be royally mounting you December 7th in Vancouver December 8th Edmonton December 9th Calgary December 10th Saskatoon and December 11th Winnipeg their comedic maple syrup's gonna be gushing all over your timbits. 
How's that for a visual, eh? Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live in the Great White North. Linky links to tickets at smodcast.com slash get old in Canada. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir, ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. I'm Jack Morrissey. Welcome to Team Jack, Episode 7, which I think we'll call Generations, since we finally got rid of the... Uh, Star Wars related titles. Now we can um, boldly move forward into the Star Trek related titles. Today, Team Jack is, as always, Matt Cohen from Bagged and Boarded and Smidnight on the network. And uh, an old friend of mine and a newer friend of mine. The older friend of mine is Peter DeBruge, who is one of two lead film critics at Variety, Hollywood's leading. Uh, entertainment trade newspaper their only trade newspaper anymore well that's true matt cohen is explaining to peter that he really does need to uh go down a little harder on that microphone <laughs> yeah, i was wondering what that technique was <laughs> hold it closer peter you're on twitter i am it's ask de bruges my last ask name. d-e-b-r-u-g-e and do people uh nobody does <laughs> they just receive wisdom from me. <laughs> How many followers do you have? Just uh, pull it out of the air. What do you think you've got? It's right around a thousand. A it's thousand. just over. Yeah. Okay. Also with us today is Andrew Sims. Andrew, you should probably um You know how to spell my Twitter name. Do you choke. not do you not follow me? No, I do follow you, but it's like Sims. It's very simple. <laughs> that's I got it? in early, yeah. That's Sims. the whole thing. Yeah. And I don't it's pay great attention because to the it's handle. Short. Because on Twitter, like, you know, every character counts, so That's I'm only true. taking up five if you want to talk to me. That's true. <laughs> or as Greg Gillen, our uh, absent co-host, once once said concerning someone else's tweet, um, something to the effect of, 
Wow, that's really impressive. It's it must be really really hard to be a cunt in 144 <laughs> characters. Um, what are all your well, Sims? Explain I, thyself. I I started with MuggleNet. Most of the people tuning in will be tuning in a result as a result of your yeah. many many tweets. They'll already know who you are, and yeah, Peter and, and I will be like, who the fuck are these? Guys? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Uh, MuggleNet is well, it still is the most popular Harry Potter fan site, and. I learned right. everything through there. Did you create um, that site? No, but I joined in 2004 when the guy who did create it was going off to college, so he sort of just fell by the wayside. Right. And then just started working with Warner Brothers, Scholastic, and that's how I got into this whole online media right. realm. And then um, did a Twilight Source, right? which is how I met you. That's right. Through Summit, kind right. of. And then now I'm doing Hypable, which is a general entertainment site because MuggleNet and Twilight Source have expiration dates, you see. Wait, so is the that most, your opinion? Well, I mean, no, well, just the fandom's not going to be around forever. No, it you isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. The most popular Harry Potter site started in 2004? No, 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 it started in 99, but I came on in 2004. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and MuggleNet, MuggleNet, I don't work for it anymore. Right. Because he kind of got pissed that I was doing Hypable and MuggleNet kind of conflict of interest. And you own, you created and own Hypable a hundred percent. Yeah. It's yours. Mm-hmm. But you still do the MuggleNet podcast. Yes. MuggleCast. MuggleCast. Which is a podcast. And people love fandom podcasts because they're like, they're, they, people will say, you know, oh, we feel like, and this sounds really lame, but it's like, oh, we feel like, um, you're, you're, you're our Harry Potter friends. Because like, because like they're listening to the podcast. They right. don't have anybody to talk to about Harry Potter in the real world. They don't. Well, the they, some people don't. Wow, it's kind of sad, right? Really sad. If you can't <laughs> find any, if you can't go down to the corner store and find anyone who's in the Harry Potter, I know, wow. think of how I feel with Battlestar Galactica. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's that's kind of one of the compliments that shows like MuggleCast and then the Twilight one imprint. Right. Yeah. Imprint was. What's is that? The, a, that's, that's a Twilight, Twilight podcast mm-hmm. from that Twilight, site, Twilight Source, yeah. which you're still running. Yeah. Do you own it 100? percent Yeah. Wow. But hats off to you. Yeah, but it's not um, focusing on Hypable more now. Right. And do you have a podcast in Hypable? Yes, Hype. Hype. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like this. Oh, the cleverness of you. <laughs> it's a good name, though, right? <laughs> it is a Hype. very good name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already looking for the content. <laughs> I'm looking for the substance and hoping that I won't be disappointed with an episode of hype. No, but, you uh, won't. It's like this. <laughs> um, so we were just talking as we were uh, waiting for Matt to get his uh, technical shit together about, um, who is it, Joe Paterno? Yeah. And Penn State and 10-year-old boys in showers. Yeah. And we ended up with, we very quickly ended up with Matt Cohen saying what he's about to say now on the air. And I was like, dude, save it. Just stop. Stop right there. Cause I knew it was going to be juicy. And what's the point of juicy that goes out the window and up into the sky when it could be recorded forever in this useless media? So passing the mic. Uh, I think the conversation, the conversation ended with the ultimate fallout of the whole scandal was that Ashton Kutcher relinquished his Twitter account to uh, publicists. He, he, um, basically within a few hours of Paterno getting fired, he must have just seen someone type, or he must have just read Joe Paterno fired. So he tweeted, 
I'm paraphrasing, but they fired Joe Paterno. What the fuck? Like, what's wrong with people these days? And then everyone was like, oh, so you're into 10-year-old boys getting fucked in the shower. <laughs> so then Kutcher was like, you know what? Guys, I can't handle Twitter. I'm not, I, I, that was basically what it came down to. Like, I'm not responsible enough to type my own tweet, so I'm going to hand it off to other people because wow. shit might come out of my mouth like that. <laughs> yeah, so now his management is handling his Twitter account. Not the first, right? Who's huh? handling Charlie Sheen's? Oh, like everybody's oh, done that way. Mm. Right. But like now that, now when Ashton tweets something, I'm thinking like he really had to run his manager through that. Like he tweets a picture of his dog now and he has to check like, with wow. his management, like it's. it's I think usually what happens is that the celebrities can't be bothered with Twitter, and the managers are the ones yeah. who are sort of you know having to put in Obsessed the hours. with it. But Ashton's kind of a social media. Like he's 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 invested in quite a few tech companies. I think. I had a friend of mine who uh, who was sort of like on the newspaper with me back in college, whose like sort of soul crushing job here in town was working for the Olsen twins sort of <laughs> empire, and her job was to be their sort of you know uh, ghost blogger almost, you know. Uh, another really cool thing I, I learned recently too is that a lot of celebrities actually pay uh, and fairly well known like stand up comedians to tweet for them or uh, to like write acceptance award speeches. But the Twitter thing, like they pay for tweets and stuff yeah, to sound clever. How much you tweet? I don't I don't know the going rate, but uh, I, I just know that they do. Probably that. better than what a movie review goes for in this like culture. A Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and while you were talking about the lowly job working for the Olsen twins done by your friend from your college newspaper. Was sure, this sure. in Waco, Texas where Peter's from? Uh, I no, I grew up Where'd in Waco, you, Texas. You went to UT at Austin probably, went right? Went to college in Austin. Right. Uh, this friend, you know, those hippies, was from there. Yeah. Nudists. The, uh, that's right. <laughs> the, uh, if, if any of that rubs off Lake. on me, I won't say the, uh, <laughs> and, uh, the, this, this friend of mine now works for Disney, which I guess is probably not a m- much more liberating, thing no. but like uh you know Only her job is sort of degrading. like patrolling club club penguin is that what it's called the uh mm-hmm. yeah the like little facebook Sorry, for please explain sims oh it's like an club online penguin. pet community like you get you buy a pet a real pet in the store uh-huh. and then it has a code on a tag and you go on to clubpenguin.com and you enter the code and like your real pet turns into a virtual pet you know on the screen you see it there on the screen and then you take care of it mike and if you build a house i know this because my little cousin showed me his club penguin. My favorite Please describe club the expression penguin story. on my face. <laughs> uh, what the fuck? <laughs> my favorite club penguin story from her is like they have to watch for these sort of clever ways that nine year olds get around the sort of you know profanity uh, rules or whatever. So there are expressions like sofa king. You know the word sofa as what we're sitting on king. I just le- as in sofa saw king, Rob cool. Pattinson. Rob Pat painting. Rob Pattinson is a. Uh, it's the primo sofa king or whatever. So, okay, what's that mean? So fucking? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sofa king, we tied Ed was the original line, I believe. Back in the day, see, I keep jumping on this fucking podcast. Uh, it was sofa king. You, the, 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 the game in school was to make someone say, sofa king, we tied Ed. So it's saying, so fucking retarded. Uh-huh. And I, I think it took off from there. But I remember, like, I think it's been, it was been in movies and shit. But yeah, when I was in school, that was the move. And here I thought this was all cutting oh edge. This, like, What's that? I thought, oh, I think it was bad. I thought this was like nine-year-old profanity, you know, real wisdom on their part. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> old, Sofa old King the days. At, at Club Penguin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which was a step up part from of my, uh, my Walt Disney being World the virtual Olsen resort property vacation package. 
Oh my god, with the ten year old in the showers. Hey yo. <laughs> Full circle. Um how's life for you post Harry Potter? Sims. Good. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel like warmed it's over. Up? Are you warming up into Hunger Games? Yes. Trailer goes online tomorrow. Yes. But this or podcast trailer is, in the future, is premiering on Good Morning America. Yeah, but it then it's gonna be on iTunes like five minutes later. Right, of course. Like um yeah, I don't know. Harry, I don't know. Harry Potter doesn't really feel like it's over yet. Why not? I'm in denial. No, it's and they're um, about to open the big no, exhibit well, or whatever it is at Leviston. Yeah, and in you know, England, the, 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 like the Universal chief, whatever his name is, said the other day that you know they're working on more theme parks. Who knows if it's going to be in L.A. or where it's going to be? How can but, it not be in L.A. given the state of things over the hill? And I know, but where are they going to build City? it? Like where they can't build it at Universal? There's no room. Yeah. So not when they're trying to already sort of sell off and develop as as um real estate so much of that back lot mm-hmm. in Universal City. Yeah. But that so that was the point Maybe of Maybe they City Walk. It, America's premier nightlife <laughs> entertainment district. Maybe Do you like it? Be, it's not that. It is what it is. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, but you can go elsewhere to get yogurt land like Yeah. You, you don't need to go to City Walk. Yes, you really. can. <laughs> Um, um, but the point of hypeable was that, like, you know, so it, it's a continuous, it's a general entertainment site. What's but it's, next? What's next? What's right? Next, exactly. What's hypeable? Yeah, and it dedicates, and we're trying to dedicate ourselves to particular fandoms, whereas, you know, a typical general entertainment site would have their exclusives and then, but not cover everything in a right. fandom. Right. So that's fun. totally should have had Greg Elwood from Hitfix on so we could have had Hitfix versus Hypeable. Right. Some sort of sweaty actually, yeah. boxing match. They emailed us early on. It's like, hey, let's do a little partnership thing. So we're not doing much right now, but. Right. Right. Working through their social media manager, whoever the hell. So how many, how many fandoms are you developing? Oh. If that's the, if that's. Well, we're covering a lot. Language probably, that you would probably use. over 30. Do you have dedicated pages to each fandom? Yeah, and somewhat. I so mean, there, you can see the news. Com slash yeah, so if you were to go to probably Hunger Games, yeah, yeah, like Hunger hyphen Games. Is there someone on staff who like reads every YA novel that comes out and is like, yeah, what's the likelihood writer. of this? Uh... Yeah, we have a book writer and like Variety and Deadline. They'll do those articles every once in a while about um, you know, somebody's bought the, some studios bought the rights to. So the it's book. like once it's been optioned, it's hypeable. No, not so much. It like once you know, it goes, once it lurches into production finally with a terrible script. Yeah, and like it's hypeable. <laughs> this is not a literary site based on the, the no. original properties. But you can tell, like it. I, I'm pretty aware now of when a a book series is really popular and it gets picked up for films, right? Film rights, like Hunger sure. Games, that was clear. Sure, Twilight, that was clear. Probably not as clear as you know who would have thought it would get so popular as it did. But right. Um, and I think Hunger Games has huge potential, potential too. Yeah. And things like Glee. I mean, there's so much hype, if you yeah. will, around Glee. Yeah. Like these, the fans, they, they, they go nuts over the song lists. Do they still? Per episode. Yeah. It's so hard to tell. Certainly yeah, with Twilight, good, but also but with Glee, it's so hard to tell where is it still hot? Is, has it cooled off? Oh, it did cool off, but that was six months ago. You must have missed it. It's resurging. It's so it's so hard to tell to tra- it's so hard to track all that stuff now. Do you feel that way? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like one small indication would be the television ratings. Like Glee has suffered a little bit this season, but some right. people are saying, and and this like um, 
think there was an article on THR a few weeks ago about uh, iTunes downloads aren't as strong. Why is that? Well, right. they're doing West Side Story. Maybe nobody really cares about hearing the Glee cast sing West Side Story. Right. You know, so I... It's yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch and follow. See, see these things go up and down. Right. Quickly strong. I mean, Harry Potter was strong. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter. I mean, it's still pretty strong. I went out on a good note too. So you just think they could make an eighth movie in three parts and people wouldn't <laughs> line up to go see that? They would. They yeah. totally would. Or you could make a Hobbit movie in two parts. Exactly. Ooh. Um, you don't like that idea? Well. First of all, we all know that Ian McKellen sleeps in this house when he comes through town. <laughs> and we have met Peter Jackson, who is the sweetest, sweetest guy. But it, um, for me as a nerd, number one, like super stoked that Peter Jackson is actually directing them. Uh, I have met Del Toro, super nice guy as well. But I want my, I want all my Lord of the Rings directed by the same a director with the same department heads. That's just me as a sort of geek purist. I'm, uh, to the extent, to the extent that I had any interest in the X-Men universe, I much rather would have seen Brian Singer direct X-Men 3 and close up a trilogy that he started based on those comic books, obviously. But rather than go across the street and do Superman leaving X-Men 3 to Brett Ratner. Um, but we all know that whether you're satisfied with the standard issue DVD or the special extended edition, the three Lord of the Rings novels have each been turned into a single movie. And now the Hobbit, which is, which a lot of people would argue compared to any one of those three Lord of the Rings novels is a pretty thin, simple book is being turned into two. And my understanding is that the first one is pretty much The Hobbit. And the second one is sort of um, trimmings off the butcher floor, Tolkien's, <laughs> you know, the... the um, you know way more about this than I do. Trimmings off the filet mignon that we used to mix into the um, fresh ground chuck at Houston. Well, I mean, for The Hobbit's every burgers. bit as long as any of those other... Lord of the Rings books, so there's certainly enough material there, but it's like the... Uh, Matt's shaking his head. I'm going to throw it over. I, I remember, I, I I think The Hobbit's like only 200 pages, and every and Lord of the Rings, the trilogy itself is like 1,800. I thought those were all like 600 pages. No, they're, they're all like doorstops of books, and it's like... For Even me, The Hobbit, the, too? I remember it being really short when I... Like, I mean, th- that's one that I'm more excited to see, just because it's sort of like a... It's a more traditional sort of Joseph Campbellian narrative, you know? With the dragon but, uh, at the end. Right, exactly. But yeah. I mean, I don't know where you divide it logically in the middle, and I don't know if this is going to be another. Maybe it won't be logically divided in the middle. Maybe literally, the Hobbit Part One is the Hobbit, and the yeah, Hobbit I don't know Part what Two is connecting is. tissue that gets you to Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's like some Clone Wars mm. bullshit. Well, maybe. And I just think the interesting thing is who's creating that stuff. Is it is it Peter Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, uh, who are the sort of triumvirate behind the screenplays for? all the, the adaptations of the first three Lord of the Rings movies and these, where's that material coming from? Is it unused Tolkien material? It's not stuff from the Cimmerillion, Sim- I don't think, because that's set. I think that's all prequel stuff. Quite a ways away chronologically, yeah. So it's just, you know, I'm I'm totally curious and, I'll, you know, I'll be like 
I will not be first in line, but I'll be I'll be um very quick. I would the, love to um, see someone else take a the stab ArcLight at that. Reserve C ticket ticket purchase. You'd love to see someone else do what? Just another director or another you know group of artists take a stab at the Hobbit. Where it's like when I started to see those photos that were sort of coming out of you know the production, and I was just thinking, you know, we've kind of seen this version of the Shire and all this kind of. But isn't know, that the strength of it? Is that I the, suppose the continuity I mean, is perfectly in place for ultimately future, not just future generations, but even for you as a nerd six years from now. If you want to sit down and have an experience where you're watching everything over again, but now in chronological order, so maybe you'll watch The Hobbit first and then you'll watch the three Lord of the Rings extended editions, don't you want all that continuity to be perfect? That just assumes some sort of perfection on the part of what Peter Jackson did with the trilogy, which is obviously a huge you know, feat, accomplishment. But, yeah, a uh, massive accomplishment. I still think that there's plenty of room in that mythology for another vision. And, Interesting. Uh, you know, I'd be happy to see that. I'd be more excited to see another take in the same way that, you know, we've seen so many interpretations on Batman. I couldn't be more bored by this new Batman movie, which just seems like an extension yeah. of the last one, minus yeah. the thing that made the last one the most interesting, you know. Well, the weird thing is, and this is um, where Hypovolt has to start paying attention, is that uh, this is it for Chris Nolan and Christian Bale's Batman trilogy. Mm-hmm. And you can focus on that. You can focus on a director who is actually closing up a trilogy that he originated, right, again, right. based on a previously existing, incredibly popular character. But then let's, if you move one step forward in that thinking, you go, oh, fuck. Who's getting the franchise next? Joel Schumacher, <laughs> of course. <laughs> reboot. You know? Well, for sure, reboot. And who's it going to be? You know? And it it is incredible to think that it's that it's only been Burton Schumacher and Nolan since 19 I always fuck this up since like 1989, right? Sounds right, right? That's crazy. Like only three directors and don't ask me to even do the simple fucking math of 1989 to 2000. You know what's crazy? When the first Batman came out, I so seldom was allowed to go to the movies that I would read the novelizations of movies <laughs> oh my God. before the movies came out. So yeah. that was one that uh, that I read that was told from the point of view of the Joker's, like, henchman. Wow. And it had this whole, like, boom shakalaka motif that went through the whole <laughs> thing. The I have no idea where that is in the movie. It's not Prince at all. But the yeah. uh, but I did that with, like, Dick Tracy, you know, which was written by... Wow, I you're a big novelization Max reader, Ellen huh? Cummings Do you have a collection of them still? Collins, yeah. The uh, I do. They're sort of moldering away. I've, but I've now they always collected, have unique like, covers that almost never have anything to do with the key art. It was always like an unused poster concept, well, what, or whether that they would slap on the cover of the novelization. Especially I mean, sometimes in the 80s. you'll get some something will have snuck through that didn't make the film or whatever because they're basically rewriting a screenplay or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. and there was the, there are a few that I picked up just out of curiosity. Like E. T. had a sequel novelization, yeah. Return yeah. to the Green Planet. Yeah, yeah. Matt's nodding his head. It's not that green planet, Matt. No, I don't know. That was a, a vivid part of my childhood. Oh, happy Halloween. I said that a week ago. I quoted Return of the Green Planet. That stuck with me my entire life. E.T. couldn't say Halloween. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, because he was... He's Asian or what? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. 
amazing if that spaceship just flew up and then landed in China and then we got out and it was all ETs or whatever. There's <laughs> <laughs> some xenophobic weird Spielberg. Like Spielberg's a racist. <laughs> no, not really. But if you went that route with it, it that would have been the, le- the lingering feeling with the film. <laughs> oh, only Germans are off limits. Now, as someone who's so hardcore or who has been so hardcore into Harry Potter, which is not unrelated to uh, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien, British authors, mm-hmm. all written with British pens on British soil, fantasy, does the does the Lord of the Rings stuff hold a hold a, a comparable appeal you know, I, to you, I, I, or are you too young for it? Too young. I haven't read the I haven't read the books. Book. Well, who has? Embarrassingly, Wait, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I haven't. I've read them. I read them once a year, the entire trilogy. Do you really? really? Every single year. How old are you, Matt Cohen? Twenty-seven. I'm forty-four. Peter DeBruge. Thirty-three. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Couldn't give a fuck. No. <laughs> I mean, why? I mean, why? Well, I defer to Matt if he reads them read once a year in terms novel. of. But I would, I would have many. sworn that The Hobbit was. I, I, checked, I checked the page count too. It's, it's the other books are like double, uh, almost double. They're all double The Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. The Hobbit, because Jack nailed that The Hobbit's literally. Uh, Bilbo's at his house. Gandalf shows up with some fucking dwarves. Yeah. They go to get a dragon. They find a dragon. They come home. That's it. They meet Gollum on the way to the mountain, but like, there's, no, but there's like trolls in the forest and all sorts of adventures but along the there's way. There's no B stories though. It's all just one linear. They're the entire group the entire time. Lord of the Rings, they split off into like eight different parties at like page 10. And that's, you know what I mean? That book spans the entire world. Whereas this one is like almost Snow White and the Seven Dwarves with Gandalf in the Snow White role. Which, which, Novel was written first. Uh, Hobbit came out first. He claims he wrote Silmarillion. He had the idea first, but publication-wise, it was Hobbit. Yeah, so that is the first. Chronologically, Silmarillion first. That's like the Bible to the uh, Middle Earth universe. But what, Jack, you're questioning whether it came before Lord of the Rings or what? No, no, no. I just want for someone like me who only sort of has... I can answer not as authoritatively as my uh, pal Joe Bodwin, but I can answer a lot of questions about Battlestar Galactica or the Ron Moore version of Battlestar Galactica or even, oh, how did Battlestar come to be in like 1978? Oh, it was created by this guy, Glenn Lars. Oh, yeah, it was actually a pilot called Adam's Ark and then Star... Blah, 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 blah. Tolkien, which is not my major, I've said before, I think like at a certain point every geek needs to declare a major, although Sims' new uh, website seems to run counter to that. Theory. <laughs> it's um, sort of like a, a general purpose degree. But with yeah. Tolkien, so I just want to know. So The Hobbit is, The Cimmerillion is written and published first. I, I, would, I think The Hobbit is. I have to double check. You think The I'm Hobbit is? Yeah, okay. Hobbit publication wise first, but chronologically, right. somewhere in the late 30s or early 40s. Uh, post, because it was. Uh, oh. Because then the Lord of the Rings is seen as a is a giant World War II metaphor. Yeah, World War II. So I know he started writing in the 30s when Hitler was rising to power. Let me check on uh, publications. Okay. So I remember being a little like nonplussed with the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy when it first came out. I mean, it was again. What do you mean when it first came out? Huge. Well, what was your first? Inc- the, you mean the films? The contrast being when the Blu-ray dropped earlier this year, they sort of did that thing where they screened them all back in theaters and their sort of extended versions. And I sort of nobody went right. I went to to full houses each night, you know, That's and took another look. And you know, part of it was I don't think I'd even gotten around to watching the extended versions of the le- the last film. I did because I think the other ones you sort of they would be released right before the next 
one came out a year later and you would yeah. sort of rev up by you know rewatching the, up, the full yeah. version or something but the uh i mean i was struck at sort of in some ways i think they play better today than they did in my mind 10 years ago you know really? i think that so many so many people are taking cues from Jackson and his style and some of these things that at the time seemed kind of abrasive. You know, the, the, he was coming, I mean, he and Sam Raimi both on Spider-Man were, for, as far as I'm concerned, were coming out of schlock cinema. You know, these kind of like, these, yeah. you know, I mean, highly stylized, highly competent, but very kind of cartoony, weird angles, weird, you know, cuts, things like that. Horror movies. Exactly. I mean, it's like. With Raimi, it's Evil Dead, it's Evil Dead 2, it's Army of Darkness, which is really Evil, Evil Dead 3. With Peter Jackson, it's God, what, what's the Meet the Feebles with there's, those. There's sort one amazing of small one, the, the like the bloodbath one with the lawnmower scene. Uh, dead, dead calm. Dead alive, dead alive, dead alive. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then the the sort of um, exception there in his early filmography is Heavenly, Heavenly Creatures, Creatures, which sure. everybody loves and adores. And I suppose you could make a lot of connections between Heavenly Creatures and the Lovely Bones, which he did a few years ago. I've seen neither, so I am not the one to make those connections. Matt Cohen. I've got clarification on the Lord of the Rings thing. So, Hobbit did come out first in uh, in '37, then Lord, the trilogy didn't come out till '54, and then Silmarillion was published after he was dead in '77. So that was published way later because his son found like a, a room full of like extended writings. Yeah, Christopher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Lord of the Rings fans—they have those um, the live in concert them again. Lord of the Rings fans, Tolkien yeah. fans, what do you what? Don't we call them something? They do, don't have do a. There's some. Do they have a name? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, are all Harry Potter Ringers? fans Muggles? No, just Potter fan. I don't know. Like Twi- like Twilight is really clear. Twilight or some people prefer Twilight. Mm. Muggles mm. would seem like the nickname for people who aren't fans of. Harry yeah, exactly. Potter. It's kind of like well, don't call them Muggles because that means they're not wizards and they probably want to be wizards because they love Harry Potter, you know. Right. But then there's this debate about the Hunger Games. Like, what should the Hunger Games fans be called? Hunger Gamers? Like, that's weird. Yeah. Like gamers. Hungry. Gamers hungry? is already so exists so strongly in culture that yeah, that basically applies to every male under the age of <laughs> right fifty two. Yeah. Hate to say, as literally, I talked to a friend of mine. Give me the proper pronunciation of the mega game that just came out last Friday. Scrim? Skyrim? Skyrim. Skyrim? Okay. So literally I talked to a friend of mine. It's like, oh, what are you up, what are you up to? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm staying in tonight. I'm gonna, I'm just, I got it and I'm gonna play it. Oh yeah. And, uh, is Sean coming over? No, no, no. He got his own copy. <laughs> Will or two. I was like, oh, the new America on a Friday night. All these guys, one of them 30, two of them like in their early 20s, not gaming together socially. They all bought their own copy. They're all in their own box under their own roof playing their own game. Are they out at the movie theaters seeing Immortals? No, which nonetheless opened okay. They're all at home by themselves playing their own copy of of that game. But do you think seeing Immortals is cooler than playing this no, new game? There's no question. <laughs> having that game and being Got having em- your own copy of that game on opening on uh, release day, which is interestingly now Friday as opposed to the old Tuesday, they've moved up onto the movie release date, 
is is definitely hotter. Immortals <laughs> is one of these like movies that's like watching someone else play a video game. I mean, it's like which is right. increasingly the case. You know, but isn't it like watching Busby Berkeley play video? Like, isn't it all guys in like gold on? Un- Gold swimsuits. It's there, like yeah, doing pretty much. I mean, there's it's like a Esther Williams parade. dance yeah. numbers. Practically, yeah. I mean, it looks like the gayest movie ever made. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> the uh, it's it's also one of the worst. I mean, it's strange how it sort of like coexists. You know. Between... By the way, did you review for Variety? I did. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So now I don't have to read the review. I'll just get it verbally. No, exactly. The like the, <laughs> the Twitter length version of it. You know. The, uh... But no, I mean it's. It, it, there was something that Ebert had written in his review that seemed about right, where he was saying it's like the most beautiful bad movie sort of ever made or whatever, and it really right. is visionary and incoherent at the same time. Completely incoherent? Nearly incoherent. You I think cannot you can, follow it. I think you can make sense of... I was able to follow what's going on. It was clear from Ebert's that his review that he was just, you know, asking rhetorical questions that made no sense, so that it wasn't registering with him. But the uh, huh. But that said, I mean, it's like... It's just it's just a clumsy knot. Uh, you know, it's actually the plot of Conan the Barbarian from two months ago mm-hmm. recycled again, which wasn't original to that movie. No. You know, I mean, it's John just the Millions same. did it in 1982. Well, I just mean it's the same sort of idea of like a megalomaniacal sort of uh, villain trying to possess some thing Rock. that allows him to, you know, destroy the world or whatever. It's, we yeah. kind of yawn. We've been down that road before. I know. Tell me about a Professor Snape or... <laughs> Whatever the fuck you people are into. That's right. What's his name? What's the, the noseless one? The noseless one? Voldemort? No, yeah. Ray Fiennes? Yeah. He was great in Parkdale. He was crazy. He great in all of it, right? Wait, muggles are allowed to say Voldemort's name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't even keep up with it. You can say anything you want to in this house. Even that word. But I was saying about uh, Lord of the Rings fans earlier that, you know... They are ringers. Some of them are ringers. Yeah, and there's these live in concert events, too, where they play the film and there's a live orchestra. That's right. And they play Howard Shore's Academy Award winning scores. Yeah, and I guess they do well. I think they do very well. And by the way, Star Wars is also touring the country doing the exact same thing to sell out venues... Including general, the Hollywood Bowl. So there's a general thing called Video Games Live where they do the exact... I've right. seen it like four times at the Nokia. It's amazing hmm. if you're right. into video games. <laughs> or did did you see they had a huge event at the Pantages just for Zelda? I did. I did. I'm not like the 20, 25th anniversary of Zelda or whatever. They had a huge concert like three weeks or a month ago at the Pantages Theater here on Hollywood Boulevard. That's awesome. I always provide a little bit of geography to people yeah, who may you. be listening on a, uh oil tanker. What's nearest cross streets? Sea. Hollywood Boulevard and what? To what? Pantages. Pantages. Um, Probably Vine. Or Vine. Hollywood and Vine. Pin- okay. Yeah. On the you north know, I side did the, of the street. The Hollywood Bowl for the first time this year. I can't believe I've lived in LA for, what, seven years? And What'd you go for? For John Williams, oh, I was of course. Say, That's don't awesome. say John Williams. <laughs> did you go for John Williams? <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, my God. The, what? Did he surprise what, do you? Did you want to be Lady Gaga? Did he surprise you? <laughs> the. <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen him perform live ever before, but, uh, I mean, the, the first half of the thing was just, I'm pretty sure someone else's music. And then, uh, and then he does all of his, you know, standards for the, um, standards for the second is right. half. And yeah. encore and, after encore after encore. And the Star Wars fans all bring their lightsabers. So during yeah. the Star Wars songs, they put them cool. out. Yeah. <laughs> there's a great, there's a great Mike, Mike Lee movie, Naked, starring David Thewlis. 
as a crazy guy who sort of screams and rants his way through the the London night. And the monologues are so fast and furious and dense, just packed. You really have to work to keep up. And the character is speaking with a very heavy sort of, you know, Northern England accent or whatever. But uh, at one point, he's in conversation with somebody else and the person says something or other. And his answer is, and other cliches. It's like, well, blah, blah, blah. And other cliches, da, 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 da. And other cliches. It's literally like, and then the Star Wars fans show up with their lightsabers at the John Williams concert. (laughs) And other cliches. If you live here in Los Angeles and you've been to the Hollywood Bowl, for really not just John Williams, but any bowl concert, 4th of July, opening night around Memorial Day, Labor Day, if they fire up that Star Wars suite, out come the, the, uh, yeah. Supermarket lightsabers. Well, you walk two blocks south and you've got like <laughs> the, you know, house of L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. Yeah. It's like really being wedged between two yeah, freak religions. Yeah. They have lightsabers too. Yeah. So is there a cool thing to go to at the ball? You were kind no, of. No, my take, on, my take on the John Williams thing is I've done it. I enjoy it. And sometimes you hear after the fact, Oh, well, no, he played a, he played a suite from, um, well, he did like AI, uh, which Dances is a movie. with Wolves, which isn't his. You which know, is, no, that's John Barry. And uh, and the first half, he had uh, he had this thing where he was inspired by some uh, some Western or whatever. Had James Taylor come out and what? you know narrate something while he he almost always plays a suite from his score for the Cowboys, the John Wayne movie. Right. If I never hear the Raiders march again, it'll be too soon. And if I buy a ticket to any John Williams concert at the Bowl, I know it's on the set list. Yeah. Same for the Imperial March. Same for the Star Wars theme. Harry, The main Harry Potter theme, even though he only scored the one first film, right? One and two. One and two, the first Maybe two three. movies. He has one, made its way onto the, onto the list of... Well, you're like a real connoisseur of movie music. Is this because you don't you have to know. I'm complaining or? about... <laughs> I don't want to hear the fucking Raiders march again, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's and old. it's, people start, you know, when, it's at the first, and again, it's every summer. And he's there for like three nights in a row. They always sell out. It's a great, you know, it's the, uh, the Hollywood Bowl is an amazing Los Angeles venue. Uh, it's an outdoor venue. And, you know, so as he fires up those first, notes from the Indiana Jones March and I stand up to go buy popcorn and get the hell out of there. You look around and people are cr- are laughing, crying, jerking off. Everyone, <laughs> this is what they want. This is what they want. And I'm so bored with that. Yeah. I want something from a more esoteric score and he's not going to give it to you. Well, Except when he does and then I'm never there <laughs> because I'm too jaded to have... To have bought the ticket and you hear about it. I mean, it I'm not a concert fact. guy to begin with, but I, I don't think, I, I, like, I get why, you know, whenever someone, some big pop star does a concert, no one wants to hear the esoteric or obscure right. you know, tracks. Right. Yeah. They want to hear their favorite songs, and it must be the most boring job in the world to play them. Well, do you think he wants, yeah, he doesn't want to play the Raiders March. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. You know, it's just like, oh God, we have to get through this. Well, it suggested that Cowboys theme is like the one that's, that's also near become and dear, a classic too. You know, every year. Um, 
Sometimes he'll throw in the mission theme from NBC Nightly News, <laughs> which is a great piece of music. Yeah. But still, I've heard him throw that in like three times. Right. You know? It's too bad so. he doesn't take requests. You could like bring a sign. How nice would that be? But That'd the, be cool. The Hollywood Bowl Orchestra there would know whether to shit or, <laughs> shit or go <laughs> yeah. blind. Uh, we need the notes, please. <laughs> We're not some With rock that, band. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I heard this year, for instance... He took you through a scoring process where he and Spielberg might spot, and the sequence they used was the The opening opening sequence from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with the Cross of Coronado, River Phoenix playing the young Indiana Jones. I pack all this information in. Yeah. And then the circus train chase. That's right. Right after then. And the whole thing opens with Monument Valley, and that is a beautiful piece of music. I would love to have heard him perform that well, piece what, of music. What was interesting I heard to me about, about it, it after the fact. So, I mean, what happens there is he shows you the sort of process, the, the real, you know, uh, silent or just sort of the sound yeah. effects, and then you know where the holes are going to go for the music. And yeah. it made me realize how much that bit is sort of that kind of Mickey Mousing music, you know, where it's really sort of underscoring what's happening on screen. You know, it's yeah. like. Pratt Falls, you know, Indiana Jones Falls. Well, especially Indy, in an Indiana know. Jones movie. Yeah. And some but, people would say in a Steven Spielberg movie scored by John Williams. Right, right. But, but there's anyway. this kind of nice quality where it's like it's building in sort of aspects of a score that in the final moment as he's sort of running down the track, escaping yeah. with the cross of Coronado. That's right. That's the last shot in that bursts sequence. Bursts into the theme and it's, you know, sort of like been They've, maturing He's held the, the theme back for you. Yeah, yeah. From you for all that time. And it isn't until... The fedora goes down and then comes up, and now he's on that boat on the high seas that you first hear the th- the theme, and I think it's played very very lightly, right? Well, there's or am a, I wrong about that? I mean, the theme comes in as he's running down the track, and there's still that bit in between where, like, they didn't show this, but it, as I recall the movie, it's like it's back at home with right. Sean Connery, and the, you know he has to surrender the. That's right. The um. Yeah. 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 Yep. So he, whatever his efforts were in vain or something. Right. Right. Yeah. But he ultimately did get that cross. No, I mean that that was an amazing experience. I'd love to see that more often, just with anything where you can kind of like yeah. subtract the music and then sort of see what it does. Yeah. It's actually where Bill is right now, spotting part the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part Two with uh, Carter Burwell. Ah, uh, yeah. All day. I'm sure they won't finish. So that venue is just so nice too. The it's Hollywood Bowl is yeah. awesome. Bring a picnic basket. Never been better too. They before. they built a brand new band shell that's sort way more acoustically sound than any previous. They probably had like eighteen different band shells since the venue was created, and uh, the last one before they built this new one, the last one was literally disintegrating like cottage cheese. The mm. musicians would be sitting there, and if it started raining. Rain would come straight down through the whole holes in the band shell onto their instruments, onto the music, onto all the equipment or the electronic equipment around them. So they, um, within the last 10 years or so, I mean, they demolished that band shell and built a brand new state of the art band shell. So it's, it's, a, it's an incredible venue. That said, we always get the calendar early. Uh, because we live in a neighborhood adjacent to it, and I always go through the calendar and I find maybe one or two things. But most of their rock concert rentals 
uh, are never on those early calendars. They come on, you know, the deals are done later. And it's the rock concerts that, that usually open the season or they're the first in. There'll be a rental or two. And then, uh, like a month or six weeks even after the LA Philharmonic has ended its season at the bowl and headed back downtown to the, di- to the Disney hall, uh, there are still rock concerts that are being played, including, I think the last one was, uh, that big benefit for the Clinton initiative. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So how often do you get there, Sims? No, I was there <clears throat> twice for John Williams. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Earlier this year for somebody else. I can't remember. And Celebration of some other guy. Yeah, Lady Gaga. No, it wasn't um, Gaga. Who was actually at the Clinton thing, apparently. Lady I Gaga. wanted to go to that just because of you 2 Yeah. I like you 2 Yeah. Um, what do muggles bring to a John Williams concert? Nothing. Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> that doesn't sound very wholesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's these Harry Potter conferences. Various times of the year. Conferences or conventions? Uh, a mix of both. You say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But nothing. But you would never expect this, but nothing but like parties amongst these Harry Potter fans. I would it's totally just, like, expect this party that. atmosphere. And I was kind of hoping I'd see that at the Twilight Convention, but maybe I wasn't no, no, invited no. to right places. No. Tent City. What? They're drinking at more... Tent City? Yeah, they're doing everything in Tent City. <laughs> I don't know. God Do you knows. walk by a tent and just like randomly smell weed? Never once. Is that what you're referring to in Harry Potter's so-called no. conferences is well, marijuana usage? Yes, but I was referring more to alcohol. Matt Cohen is suddenly interested. <laughs> needs When's to the know next what one? The... I mean, I mean, Harry Potter, you were just doing all stoners like fucking wizards and pegasuses and shit. I love, I love those <laughs> <laughs> that was never a big deal of, you know, the early science fiction conventions that I went to as a kid in the early 80s. And I think science fiction conventions were really only around, aside from sort of the the Forey Ackerman, Frederick Pohl things where they might get together in the 40s or whatever. It really took off after Star Trek, the original series in the late 60s. People started having these, these the conventions. And even to... Comic-Con is only like when was the first time you 44 went to years old. What's that? When was the first time you went there? I mean, there are always these apocryphal tales of when it was in the basement of, you know, yeah. some Comic Con or my first convention. I'm curious about, about Comic Con in particular, I guess, but. Uh, even again, the simple math I will not be able to handle, but I can tell you that Comic Con 2012 will be my 10th. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So figure it out. Yeah. I wonder what, I guess my first would have been 2004, I guess. The, uh, I find honestly it it my Comic Con experience, but also my take on the overall con is that it never really changes. I'm sure it's changed. We know it's changed radically since those early days when it was in the downtown San Diego library or whatever. Right. But what it's been for the ten years that I've been going down there is pretty much always the same. And every year there's an article in the New York Times talking about how it's over. It's so passe. This year, none of the studios mm. were taking anything down there until surprise. Half the studios all showed up with stuff. Well, th- those <laughs> stories are more interesting than the ones where it's like another outlet wakes up and says, hey, there's this thing in San Diego. Maybe we should pay These attention. These kids are all getting together on this field. <laughs> it's like, have you heard of the Internet? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Disney's got their convention now, D23. Which is, by the way, let's just say it, not coincidentally scheduled about two or three weeks after Comic-Con, during which now Disney does exactly zero in terms of panels. Yeah, they're basically four-walling their own... They're they're creating their own Comic-Con. And they're not even always full conventions. They do this fucked-up quarterly thing where they'll do a a big expo, and then it's like a small one day, a small one day. So they do three a year now. There's only one big D23. Right, which is in Anaheim every August. Well, they've only done two so far. The first one was 09, and then this year... Yeah, they're every other year. I guess kind of makes sense. I mean, how many new movies are they putting out? So they got to have something. Yeah. Do you th- but they do put out a super slick, glossy magazine, which I subscribe to and never read. I don't understand, That's though, this like... Done. what What is it called like... 23. I mean, I love trailers like nothing else, but it's like... I, I'm not someone who like wants to know everything about a movie before I see it. Quite right. the opposite. And right. if anything, my big objection about trailers is that they're giving too much away. So it's like, who are these people who go and they want more footage, and they want to know everything, and they spend all this time on the site trying to absorb the movie before they see it. You they know live in saying? France. I, I mean, I, I'm just like, what, what is that about? I mean, what's left when you get to the movie then, you know? The yeah. End. Well, I think at least with the conventions, like part of it's definitely seeing the stars and going to the, their, their panels. panels. Like, yeah. they had an awesome preview of uh, Brave, and then they also announced their, um, uh, the, the other Pixar films that are coming up. I can't remember what they are now. Cars 3, Cars 4, <laughs> no. Cars 5. <laughs> Monsters <laughs> University. And the, the, the dinosaur one, but that's still way out. And then some inside your head one. And we've hired writers to work on a sequel to Tron Legacy, so <laughs> we're really serious about making that sequel, guys. Shareholders, we're right. making that Tron Legacy Part 2. <laughs> Going back to what Peter said though, I think, and I don't, I don't think I'm the only person like this, but I definitely think there's a large proponent of the geek community that like, uh, there's certain movies, I'll read the script, like every Quentin, I've read the script for the last three Quentin Tarantino films as soon as I can because the fun for me is the discovery of how they make the movie. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we're in a world where everything is fucking spoiled at this point, so it's all about execution kinda. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's there's few things that I really care about being spoiled on anymore. I think that might just be the jaded internet you, age geek. Were you caught off guard by the alien in Super 8? Was that a secret? I it, like I got letters, you know, from my review for saying like, you know, a big spider-like alien menaces no, these I mean, kids, we, you know. The first Who te- didn't know they that? shot the teaser before they went before they went to camera. There was a teaser of like this thing popping through a train. I mean, we, I think we kind of assumed it was a fucking alien with J.J. Abrams and Spielberg. That's the thing. I think people get on people for spoiler alerts, but 90% of properties out there now are based on either pre-existing properties where you know what's going to happen right, if sure. you've read the book. Um, like, you know, all these giant Hunger Games, Twilight, Harry Potter, like, the script is basically written 10 years before the movie comes out. So to get into spoiler stuff always, oh. or the novel as it were, <laughs> but it's the, sa- it's the same sort of thing though is what I'm saying. Yeah. But that always puzzled me. The, um, the red is in for, for spoilers with like these big Hollywood flicks, like at the convention, like the Avengers. I will watch it. I, w- I would love to see, I w- show me the fucking animatics right now and I'll watch the entire movie. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I just want as much information about the things that I love as humanly possible. I don't know. I think that's why the conventions work. A lot of people dig out of them. Why people, you know what I mean? I think it's how people, um, to the degree that, people are have an interest in movies which is not everybody and to the degree that people have an interest in certain types of movies and once you drill down within that and you get into so-called 
genre movies, which used to refer to all kinds of genres like noir, westerns, uh, crime, and now seemingly when you hear the word genre, it only refers to science fiction, fantasy, and horror films. Right, not uh, high school musicals or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the degree that, again, if you're sort of zooming in, someone is a movie fan, has a real, has a pronounced interest in movies, and inside that they have a pronounced interest in these genre movies, which tend to be the big events, their way of interacting with that or somehow like getting that energy out um, on a semi-regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or a few times a week, is engaging with the spoiler stuff, don't you think, Sims? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because what else and, are you going to do? Sit there and wait for it to open? Yeah, who wants to do and that? And do nothing. You're just yeah. sitting on your hands? Well, like you were kind of saying, you know, no, nothing's a secret anymore. You know, we find out all this information. And with the Internet, everybody's just looking for it so quick. And, you know, like now, like Tumblr, I mean, you, you, I don't really like it. It's a social network, but you follow, yeah. uh, follow, there's most Tumblrs, well, a large majority are, fuck yeah, and then the brand. So it's fuck yeah, Harry Potter. So right. you follow that and some person, and they're just blogging all these pictures, or they're blogging all these, all these, all these news articles. Right. And it's just like all this instantaneous information. And people are just craving it because they're so used to it because they get it fed to them on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Yeah. And it's just like, more, give me more, give me more pictures. Yeah. Uh, give me more shirtless Dame Radcliffe photos immediately. For a split second there, I thought you said Dame Radcliffe. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I wasn't aware that she had been <laughs> damed or whatever they call that. <laughs> I just remember the first time we met was at Comic-Con. Garth when you and I met, yeah, through yeah. Garth Franklin, who everybody in this room knows, right? Sure. Do you know? I'm a fan of the website. I've never met. I've never met Garth. I just read the website. Right. Garth wouldn't want to fuck you anyway. Um, and Garth, we love you because he listens to every podcast. Really? Like a ch- oh yeah, like a champ. He's but anyway, a crazy cat. so there we are, and uh, we're at Comic-Con. I was I was really drunk when I met you. <laughs> That's a, and I remember you were talking to me about like Breaking Dawn, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I need to focus right now." Not that I like to brag about that, but it was because I really don't do that anymore. But it was very, just like Garth, super like, sweet. Yeah, but Garth just pulled me aside. He's like, "Come in, I want you to uh, meet a uh, this guy, and we're gonna break it off." I'm like, "Okay, right." And then we were just talking, but it was good. Yeah, it was at and a. Then, Terrible restaurant in the basement of that Hilton or Hyatt or whatever. It's like McCormick and Schmicks or something, right? It's, I can't remember. <laughs> just that's. I just know it's like you, you don't eat at that restaurant. We were all there eating. Um, so yeah. do you go to Comic Con still by choice? Like obviously, most reason one you went because of Breaking Dawn. But let's well, say in 2013, I mean, look, we go. Yeah. Well, Jack is like my model Every for year. Comic-Con. It's Every because, year. Like, all that Exhibit hall floor only. Never upstairs for panels. All those conventions, it's just parties, like, they're nuts. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm there for the floor. With and my the floor is my what name. it started as. And it's like, it, that's, I don't mean to, in some sort of like snobby way. It's just like all, all that other stuff is like, it's kind of like what we do as movie journalists day in, day out, all year. And if I'm not obliged to cover it, let someone else cover it this day with all that sort of like 12,000 people or craziness. And then I'll go yeah. and sort of look for the, the weird, Totor, obscure, for the Totoro Totoro toy that on you're <laughs> obsessed with. <laughs> There's Did always some the limited edition. car when you pulled up? Yes. 
That would be the one with the face of Totoro grinning out. Yeah, it's a PT cruiser, which sort of cuts the same silhouette. Sort of as to- looks like Totoro. the kitten bus or cat bus. Cat well, it looks bus. like Totoro a little bit. You know, if yeah. you're sort of looking at it dead on. I, I took a snapshot of my car and showed it to Miyazaki during an interview. Did you really? Uh, and he was he looked at me and he was like, oh, Totoro. <laughs> <laughs> Which made my day. So, and you, someone honked and like, someone, someone honked and, you know, rolled down the window and complimented me on the other day. It's, it's weird because I forget sometimes like that, that it's, it's on there. there. You know, it's like the... Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I swear, I must have seen you driving around earlier today or something. Cause oh, yeah. When, cause I, when I drove up here, I was like, wait, I think I saw that earlier. What the hell? That's so funny. Yeah. You yeah. can't be too, like, uh, secretive in your goings, you know, if you're, if you're sort of like branded your car with a big grinning, <laughs> you know, forest. So spirit. I, um, I have eBay favorite searches saved. I'm an old, good old eBay, or I have eBay favorite searches saved for, all of my partner Bill's movies, right? Uh-huh. And so I find this license plate that comes up under the search term Sister Sister, which uh-huh. is the first feature he ever directed starring uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Eric Stoltz, and Judith Ivey. Somebody, someone out there in crazy land makes a license plate frame that says, I'd rather be watching Sister Sister. <laughs> and what that's referring to is a mid-90s TV series that was like a couple of black girls, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. still amazing for you to find, you know. It's like so I found the license plate, bought it, screwed it onto the back of his car, <laughs> which is a Mercedes, right? And told all my friends, we all had a big fucking laugh. And the question was, and started the egg timer. How long is it going to take? For Bill Condon to notice <laughs> this license plate frame that says, I'd rather be watching my first feature on the back of his car. Over a year goes by. Oh, Over God. a year. No. Now we're into like a year and a half or whatever. And we're down at Arclight, Hollywood. We're with a couple of friends. And uh, somehow or other... Something something comes up that makes me think of it, and it's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. If I have to fucking do it, I'm going to do it. We're walking up in the car, and I said, hey, Bill, yeah? Did you ever notice this? And point the license plate frame out to him. And we all start howling, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't I tell you about that? I'm like, no. He goes, I'm on the 101 South headed downtown, and suddenly there's this person behind me all over their horn, Uh like furiously. And so, not thinking, I did the stupid thing. I pulled over on the 101 South, and the guy pulls over behind me and gets out of his car and comes forward and looks down. I, I power down my window. He looks down into my car and he goes, your license plate for... Sister, sister, I created that show. <laughs> no way. And Bill was like, uh, what? Your license plate frame says I'd rather be watching Sister, Sister. I made that show. I'm the guy you want to, you've wanted to meet all those years. Bill's like, I have there to go now. Some misunderstanding. And then never mentioned it to me. That's amazing. That's but incredible. by the way, Never took it off. Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, I'm actually, we're about to turn that car back in because the lease is expired. 
And now the dilemma, do I get the screwdriver out of the drawer or don't I? Oh, that's a no <laughs> I don't know. Um, as his assistant once said, it's, it is useful in, in um, finding Bill's car in a, in a sea of you know, black Mercedes right. APCs that are all lined up at the Grove or whatever, you know, <laughs> you need, you need the personal touch. And I think a Totoro, uh, face and whiskers would maybe be, it certainly helped me find my car a couple for times. Bill yeah. Car. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to um, do that for breaking Dawn, that search? I'd rather be watching breaking Dawn. No, <laughs> search on eBay for breaking Dawn. Yeah. I, I already have it going really actually, for certain things. Yeah. Is there anything interesting besides no. like thongs? No. no, nothing interesting, which means nothing stolen off set yet. Mm. That's surfaced yet. I see. Yeah. Yet, yet being yet. the operative word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that brings to a close episode seven generations parting thoughts, gentlemen. Sims is going to watch The Walking Dead. The latest episode airs the night that we're recording this, which is a Sunday. He has yes. a Walking Dead date. I do. Sweet. Uh, it's Are a good you show. into that show? Yeah, very much so. Aren't yeah, you? I am too. I yeah. am too. It's the only show I'm watching. Really? Mm-hmm. Right now? Or just like all year? That's pretty much it. Until oh. I told you last night, it's like when that Game of Thrones box comes out, I'm going to go back and do mm. Game of Thrones, especially since it's a reasonable, what is it, 10... Season one was like 10 or 11 episodes. It was something reasonable. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad's amazing. Changed I, my uh, life. It's uh, too late for me. Uh, I know. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, Does Breaking Bad factor into the site? Yeah. Basically, if like we like it, then we'll cover and it. And it's hypeable. Yeah. It's if hypeable. I like it, it's, it's hypeable. <laughs> I had a great dinner tonight at Chick-fil-A. It's hypeable. <laughs> Let's hype it. Chick-fil-A is the up, best yo. restaurant on you, the You guys should like it print is. up stickers like Oprah's Book Club and just like go smacking them on products <laughs> yeah, and stores. <laughs> 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 approved. Actually, we have stickers as I'm a fan of and you can write in what you're a fan of. What you're a fan of. Yeah. Bestiality. Yeah. What's uh, Joe Paterno's assistant coach a fan of? <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I like to wrap it up. I like to tie a little bow around a little thing, so to speak. Wow. Hey, oh. It's actually really sad. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you, sir? You know, one more thing about the Penn State thing. The uh-huh. students were so stupid that night when they said we're now we're firing Joe Paterno immediately. They go and protest the departure of Joe Paterno. Right. It's just like basically you're supporting child abuse. It's just like yeah. these kids aren't even thinking. They're just like, oh my god. Well, the other thing that seemed to become apparent is that Joe Paterno like didn't even know why he'd been fired that night. He's somewhat out to lunch these days right yeah he's old but it's like early <laughs> onset what day of the week is is uh, it i want my pudding is I mean, that not true no i think that's i, I mean, just saw the guy, like so. espn at the gym the morning after or whatever and he um the scrolling news ticker seemed to indicate a certain level of cluelessness yeah and i'm like he looks like a nice guy i'm sure he's a nice guy and yeah. everything, but it's just this one huge mistake and it's a shame he's had such a legendary that's career. the big one in this country though that's the scarlet letter mm-hmm don't do it. Yep. Peter DeBruge, your evening plans? Uh, you have an interview. He has Peter as a yeah, phoner that he's waiting. Work for the rest of the night, I guess. Oh, really? That sounds really fun, Peter. Yeah, well. <laughs> 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 when you do for a living what what it is that you're passionate about, I guess it doesn't matter if you're going to spend feel like film. Work. Yeah. What's that? It doesn't feel like work. No. If you're passionate about it. Matt Cohen, your evening, your Sunday evening? 
Skyrim. <laughs> with friends? No, no, you can't play it with friends. It's a one-player game. Like, you don't want to know other human beings when you're playing Skyrim, <laughs> sir. Requires like 80 to 90% of your waking life. So, I'm going to go get back to that. And that's hypeable. <laughs> what are your evening plans? I don't know. I'm waiting for when Conan comes home from the spotting session. Do we have a walkthrough for tomorrow's premiere down at the Nokia, or oh. do we not? You, you, you and Bill should camp out down there. That'd and be that's huge been news. episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> Team Jack Generations on Twitter. Team underscore Jack or Jack underscore Morrissey. Two R's and two S's on Twitter. Sims S I M S. On Twitter, Peter DeBruge, swallow that smart water. <laughs> ask DeBruge. Ask DeBruge. Ask him anything. Please ask. I'm I'm tired of rhetorical. Ask him posts. what he thinks of Martin Scorsese's Hugo. By the time this uh, by the time this show actually airs, his review will be in print. Oh, will it? Out.